You're now listening to The Cadence Sprint. everyone. Welcome to the episode. So the sprint is a shorter version of our podcast where I share about skill set and mindset with the hope of giving you something that's going to aid you in your day to day. So today, what I want to talk about are the three D's of self-care. You know, I know self-care has been a big topic right now, especially because of everything that's been going on in our world. Yes, it's super important. I don't think it's just some trendy thing people are talking about. It really does matter right now. We're seeing huge spikes in really concerning mental health stuff. So it's important that we think about taking care of ourselves. And it shouldn't just be now. You can apply these three Ds to your life consistently, and I believe that they'll help. So the three Ds are discipline, distraction, and disruption. So discipline, distraction, and disruption. The thing that I got to tell you is when you get on an airplane and the flight attendants are giving you the talk about what to do if there's an emergency, one of the things they always say is if the masks come down, put yours on first before assisting someone else. That's not because, you know, flight attendants are saying like every person for themselves, you know, like who cares about other people. It's because they anticipate that by taking care of yourself, you're better able to take care of other people. Leaders are often thinking of everyone else first. You know, parents are often thinking of everyone else first. If we're people who are in charge of others or have to take care of others, very often we put our needs last. I got to encourage you with these three Ds, put your needs first. By taking care of yourself first, your needs first around your own mental health, you are better able to take care of other people. In a weird way, the most selfless thing you can do is take care of yourself first. It actually goes against the instincts of a lot of people in these spaces. And that means we're constantly taking care of other people while our batteries, our reserves are getting lower and lower and lower. Take care of yourself first so you can take care of other people. I'm a firm believer the more we take care of ourselves, the more that we can give to others. So with that, the three Ds, let's start with discipline. Now, I know discipline sounds kind of corny, like, oh my God, yes, discipline, I get it. I'm not talking about just some like, read some inspirational thing on Instagram and, you know, like pump up your life by drinking a green smoothie. That is not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about very specific discipline. So let's think about a chair. When you're in a place where there's ongoing pressure and stress, you need to be able to get off of your feet. So think of pressure and stress as you standing. And not just standing, but you standing and doing a lot of stuff, carrying a lot of weight, really like being active. At some point, you got to sit down. And when you sit down, you need to have a really, really good chair. That's where discipline comes in. So I want you to think of a four quadrant grid. So like a giant plus sign. In the top left is exercise. The top right is diet. The bottom left is sleep. And the bottom right is social. These quadrants represent the legs of a chair. If you've got all four of these legs, then when you need to, you can sit down and that means you can fully take a load off. You can relax into that chair. You can replenish yourself because the chair is stable. However, if one of those legs is missing, so you have three legs of the chair, yeah, you can still sit down, but you can't fully relax into it because, you know, if you lean one way, you're going to topple over. If you only have two legs of that chair, I mean, yes, you can sit in it, but it's a bit of a hazardous affair. You need to have both feet on the ground. You got to activate your core to kind of stay in there. And if you only have one leg of that chair, 
it's kind of a fool's errand to try and sit in that. Yes, you could do that, but it's a crazy balancing act. And basically why bother? You're not really getting anything out of it. You're not really relaxing. So when I think of exercise, diet, sleep, and social activity, those are the things that allow us to take a load off, to replenish ourselves. But we have to be really disciplined about it. Vagueness is prohibitive of health. And I'm going to say that again. Vagueness is prohibitive of health. The more vague we are about this, the less healthy we're going to be. It's really hard to be healthy consistently if you're vague in your plans. So let's break down these quadrants. So let's think about exercise. When I say exercise, I'm not asking anybody to do some super wild life-changing exercise. What I'm asking you to do is to get three days a week in your calendar and do minimum 15 minutes of exercise during that time. And it's whatever exercise means to you. For some people, that's going to be 15 minutes minimum of running. For others, it will be cycling. For other people, it will be yoga. Other people will be light stretching. Some people will just be going for a walk. Whatever that exercise is for you, 15 minutes minimum. But it's not enough to say, I'm going to exercise three times a week because we all know how that goes. We say it on a Sunday and we feel super pumped up. And then on Monday, we're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. What I'm asking you to do is actually put it in your calendar. So if you have a proper calendar that you use on your phone or your computer, add it in three days a week, and you need to put in there what day of the week you're doing the exercise, for how long, what the exercise is, and if you're doing it with someone, who they are. So for example, if I'm going to go ride my bike on Monday and Thursday with Diego and Mike, I want to know what day I'm doing it with, what the activity is, who's going and for how long. And by the way, that's actually in my calendar. I do that with Mike and Diego every Monday and every Thursday, we go riding for an hour and a half. Uh, We do road biking. And then I have one more activity that I always have in there. You need to have this in your calendar because if you don't have it in your calendar, it's not a real commitment. It's just some floofy thing that you may or may not get to. So once a week, put in minimum three calendar invites for yourself on what exercise you're doing, what day you're doing it, for how long, and with who. So that's the exercise part. That's leg one of the chair. Leg two of the chair, diet. So what I want you to think about is how many times you eat a day, and that includes snacks. So for me, I have about three meals a day and then two snacks. So I eat around five times a day. I want you to take that number, whatever it is for you, and multiply that across seven days. So for me, I eat 35 times a week. So if I eat 35 times a week, If I want to be really disciplined about what I eat, I want to have minimum 50% of the groceries that I need for those meals in my fridge at the beginning of the week. So that literally means for half of those meals, I want to know what I'm going to eat. And I go out once a week and I get at least 50% of those groceries. So that's 35 times for me. When I think of discipline around diet, I'm not saying like, oh, don't eat sweet food or don't eat carbs. I don't even care about any of that. I'm saying actually having food in your house. So I eat 35 times a week. For me, I want to say, okay, for 50% of those times, what do I want to eat? And on what days? I figure out what I want to eat on what days and I go out and get the groceries. I only do that for 50% of my meals. If you want to be really disciplined, do it for 80% of your meals. Don't do it for 100% of your meals. It's totally not something you can keep up unless you're like super intense about it. And also, if you want to get some DoorDash or eat a pint of ice cream, then go ahead, do that. This isn't about the calorie count for me. It's about making sure that you're not over or under eating. 
So calculate how many times a week you eat and then go out and get the groceries for at least 50% of those meals once a week and have that in the fridge. All right, the third one, uh, sleep. The thing about sleep is when we're stressed out, we're working hard, or we're in a situation like we're in now, a lot of people are either oversleeping or undersleeping. So around undersleeping, people are experiencing difficulty falling asleep or disturbed sleep. So they're waking up multiple times in a night or they're waking up super early and they can't fall back asleep. With sleeping too much, people just feel like they're constantly exhausted. So they're going, they're staying in bed, which is of course adding into this cycle. The discipline of sleep is as follows. First, don't do anything in your bedroom outside of sleeping and then whatever personal things you need to do in there. You know what I mean? For that, don't work in your bedroom. Don't watch movies in your bedroom. Don't read in your bedroom. Don't Netflix and chill in your bedroom. Don't do any of these things. If you do that, you're actually taking this space that's supposed to psychologically be set up to go and sleep in, and you're turning it into a, a, like a multi-use room. I know that's tough now due to the pandemic because so many of us are working from home. I got to ask you, try your very hardest to not work in your room. That's the first thing. Second thing is try and get up and go to sleep at the same time seven days a week. Keep it as standard as you can. And then don't hang out in bed. When you wake up, get up and get out of bed. Around um, troubles around sleep, when you go to bed at the same time every night, if you can't sleep or if you're having disturbed sleep or if you're waking up early, don't give up on the sleep. Don't get out of bed. I mean, get out of bed to go to the bathroom and get a drink of water, but don't get out of bed and start working or start watching movies or start doing anything else like having a meal. Stay in bed or else you're training yourself to have less sleep. The thing that I encourage you is rather than just sitting in bed and having racing thoughts, this is where you can listen to something in bed. What I encourage you to listen to is something that's moderately interesting, but not something that's super interesting. So I listen to a lot of sci-fi podcasts and I have some earbuds that I keep beside my bed. And if I wake up in the middle of the night, I just put them in and I listen to something uh, like, you know, like, let's say like a three hour breakdown on the wrath of Khan. Yeah, I want to listen to that. It's not what I'm going to listen to when I'm at my most energized in the day, but it's moderately interesting to me. I'll throw in an ear pod and I'll sit there and listen to it. I will tell you that you will drift off into sleep. Don't get out of bed, though, until the appropriate time, unless you need to go to the bathroom. The final piece, social. Social's tough. Uh, I know, you know, some people love hanging out with people. Other people don't like hanging out with people. Human beings are a social species. We need others. And so whatever that looks like for you, whether you have a ton of friends or you have one or two friends, you need people. And what I encourage you is that twice a week, you need to have social contact for minimum 30 minutes. This is not texting and it is not through Twitter or anything awful like that. Instead, it's actual conversation with people, either on the phone, in person, or over video. 30 minutes minimum a week with someone that you like speaking to. But when we're thinking about the social side of it, please don't engage with your most difficult friends and family members. And you know what I mean. We all have difficult friends and family members that are really energy sucks. This is not the time to be doing that. And in fact, it's going to cause you to be a bit more avoidant of the social side. Hang out with the people who fill up your cup that you feel safe with, that you feel comfortable with. So those are the four legs of the chair. Yes, you can have one of those legs go out if you need to, but if you have less than three legs of that chair, then it's kind of ineffective. Most of us have a little bit of a leaning to lose one leg of the chair versus any of the others. And 
in that, if you lose one, there's usually a second one that goes with it. So for me, exercise, as soon as I get super stressed out goes, and as soon as exercise goes, diet goes. So as soon as I stop running or cycling all the time, I'm eating like bags of candy and fried food like you wouldn't believe. So I need to, if one of those legs goes out, I have to focus on keeping the other three. Three is okay, but you're at the best when there's four because that's when you can really relax and take a load off. And if you have all four of those legs, you can stay in a really stressed out period for a long time because you're able to lay back in the chair. All right, so that's that first D is discipline. The second D is distraction. So what I mean by distraction is that I'm a firm believer that our mind is just like any other like kind of muscle in our body. It needs to relax every day. So if we're in a time of like a lot of high stress or a lot of stuff is going on, our minds are constantly going, just going, going, going. And that's like a muscle being constantly flexed. You know, it's like as if you're carrying a weight and especially the more stressed out you are, the heavier the weight gets. That means that that muscle is constantly at its max or even overloaded. Now, it seems like our brain, you know, is never going to fail on us like that because, you know, we're people, but it actually does. That's what happens when we have burnout or we have like major mental health situations rising. It's that that muscle can't handle it anymore. So what I got to encourage you to do is practice some distraction. So the way that I look at it is this is how you let that muscle relax. And I believe you do that through either the health food of the mind or the junk food of the mind. So I think of the health food of the mind as like meditation, reading something that's like really stimulating in an intellectual or philosophical way, maybe playing guitar, creating music, painting something, being involved in a really good conversation, you're watching an incredible movie, going to a museum, something like that. That's all like the health food of the mind, things that are engaging the creative side of our mind, the growth side of our mind. That's the health food. But the junk food of the mind, which is also good, and I know I make it sound bad because I'm saying health food or junk food, but the junk food of the mind is also fine with us as well for distraction. It's totally fine. So the junk food of the mind for me would be things like reality TV. You know, I don't know how anyone else was about this, but when that show Love is Blind came out, I like binge watch that like you wouldn't believe. So distraction can be reality TV. It could be like an action movie. It could be some like really like gaudy magazine that covers totally like, you know, a gossip magazine. It could be speaking with one of your friends and totally like kind of trash talking, whatever it is, anything that allows your mind to totally unplug in either a really healthy way or in a kind of a junky way. Man, junk food is fine, as long as you don't overdose on it. What I encourage you to do is try and set aside a time for at least one hour of distraction a day. It's best if you're doing it towards the end of your day. So when you're getting ready to go to bed. So, you know, like kind of like maybe a couple hours before you're gonna go to sleep, that's when you should get your hour of distraction in. If need be, you can stack up 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there throughout the day. That's pretty good. As long as you're getting enough distraction where you can let that muscle relax. I recommend at least an hour a day. And if you can get a couple hours, that is fantastic because that's really letting that muscle unplug. And you know, by the way, that you're distracted. If that time that you set aside goes by in a flash, if you set aside an hour and then boom, that hour is gone. Great. That means your mind is really relaxed. If a couple hours go by, fantastic. Anything past a couple hours, well, maybe you're getting into a bit of vacation mode there. But I do encourage you for at least an hour a night, try and get some distraction either through that health food or that junk food of the mind. And the last of the D's is disruption. So disruption is all about reminding ourselves that we live in a big, beautiful world that's full of opportunity and full of new experiences. So when we're really under a lot of stress, it's very easy to become hyper-focused on what's in front of you. The way I encourage you to think about it is taking the roll that's in the middle of uh, toilet paper. 
and looking through that cardboard roll at a horizon. So if us and a bunch of people were all looking at a horizon, but you were looking at it through that tube, yeah, we'd be staring at the same horizon, but you wouldn't be seeing all of the beauty and all the opportunity. You'd be seeing a very specific view. And if that view had a bunch of treacherous stuff in it, then this view that might be like totally beautiful for the rest of us might seem very threatening for you. This is what I refer to big mind versus small mind. We're in that small mind space because we're under a lot of stress and a lot of fatigue. Our world becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And that small challenge might become this insurmountable thing or that thing that typically is uncomfortable might become something you're terrified of. We have to have enough disruption so that we can put down that tube and realize like, hey, there's a whole horizon in front of us. It allows us to have proper perspective. So the way that I believe we should practice disruption is in two ways. The first is you should do new takes on things that you traditionally do in your day to day, especially your self-care things. So for example, I told you I go bike riding and I do a lot of running. A few times a week, I try and go to a different part of town and ride my bike there, or I run in a different direction. Or instead of running my neighborhood, I go out to the beach to run, or I go up to the mountains. If I'm gonna go hiking with my girlfriend, I go to a different hike I've never been on before. Anything that you typically do in your day-to-day is just part of your week. I encourage you a few times a week to do a different take on it, especially if you can do it in a different geographical location. So again, running. Go to a different part of town that you've never gone to before and run there. If you like hiking, go on a totally different kind of hike. If you cycle, go somewhere that's totally different location for cycling. But if you don't do those activities, if you want to go for a walk, then go to a totally different neighborhood. If you want to go practice yoga, go to a different yoga studio or go do yoga on the beach or go to a different kind of restaurant. Anything that's a take on something you already do, just doing it in a different way. Or for example, if you're someone who uh, works from home, Go work outside or go work from a cafe. So that's the first, a new take on something that you do traditionally in your day to day. But the other thing that you can do around disruption is truly novel things. So new things. In this pandemic, my most recommended thing for people is do the thing that you've always wanted to do, but you never had time to. So if you want to learn how to play guitar, go learn how to play guitar. You want to write a book, go write a book. If you always talked about getting into poetry or making film or learning a language, go do that. If you're under a great deal of stress, I believe nothing keeps us more plugged in and gives us real perspective than doing something that's brand new. And it doesn't have to be some totally wild thing. You could take online Spanish lessons and fold them into your day very, very easily. These things don't have to be these massive time sucks. They're things that could fold into our day, but we have to find the time to do it. So those are the three D's, discipline, distraction, disruption. If you follow those three things, you can go through almost any level of stress and strain and still keep your steam, still keep moving forward. And remember, put your mask on first. By doing that, you're better able to take care of other people. And as always, greatness awaits.